And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, we have reached the middle of February. We are officially in draft, combine, free agency. That's minutia season. How are you feeling today? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. I'm I'm still a little weirded out by the idea of the Rams being the Super Bowl champions. I'll I'll be honest. Makes no sense. Feels feels weird to me. It makes no sense. It is not great for the state of Missouri. We know our our friends, if we want to call them that, in St. Louis probably are not not too thrilled with the outcome of the Super Bowl. I put up a article on Arrowhead Pride that it was five prop bets to consider for the big mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And I got every prop bet incorrect, including the coin toss. <laughs> so tails never fails. And it was heads. It, uh, except if, when it does fail. Right. So you don't enjoy my betting advice, but if you enjoy the Arrowhead Pride podcast network, if you enjoy the Arrowhead Pride editor show, please rate and review us. For the first time in a, in a long time, John, there are no reviews to read. So uh, I doubt that shame. means no one has an opinion, but yeah, no, I, I, I could agree <laughs> with you there. I am not exactly sure why we had no reviews, but look, th- that's a, an invitation for you out there. If you leave a, a rating, if you leave a review, we will read it on the show. And with no reviews, this could be your time right here. Right. Ask a question, right. make a comment. We would have talked about it, but look, you didn't do it. So now get on yeah. there. And, what can and do we do for us? We are, Going to go through the news on this show, the, the news of the last week uh, having to do with the Chiefs. We're going to talk about the MVP and the rookie of the year in the second segment. We have the offseason editor's show poll of the day. So good show ahead. And we're going to start where I believe we started last time. It's it's with Eric Bieniemy and the Kansas City Chiefs, as we well know, were not playing in the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, they, they blew the AFC title game, but there was some news that broke, I, and I thought it was interesting because it came down from ESPN's Adam Schefter of an article on ESPN Super Bowl morning, and it just was, in a sense, reaffirming the idea of Eric Berry, Eric Berry, Eric Bieniemy, <laughs> Eric Berry is long gone, Eric Bieniemy remaining in Kansas City. I'm going to read this for you, John. I'll let you react, and then I'll, I'll kind of talk to you about what I think, but here, here is Schefter's words. The enemy and Chiefs head coach Andy Reid are expected to soon meet and discuss their futures, whether they envision them together in Kansas City or apart, according to league sources. Chiefs quarterbacks coach Mike Kafka has already departed Kansas City to become the Giants O coordinator, leaving behind the enemy and making him even more essential to Kansas City's offense for 2022. There are no assurances that the enemy will return. He has considered coaching in college, listening to other offers or even taking a year off after physically and mentally draining season in which the Chiefs fell one game short of the Super Bowl and the enemy was again bypassed in the head coaching hiring cycle. So the enemy's next meeting with Reed is likely to determine whether he will return or whether the Chiefs offensive coaching staff will need an overhaul. And I, I just think the smoke is building here, John. What, what do you mm. make of this report that came out on, on Super Bowl Sunday? Well, as we know, it's really rare for the Chiefs to make let any kind of smoke out uh, on, on something like this until they're ready to say what the move is going to be. So this is kind of unusual that we're getting word that there's at least the possibility of a change. You know, the normal pattern for the Chiefs is to say nothing until – they've got a new guy to take, take the place, take the position and, uh, and, and don't even say, you know, such and such is leaving. It's just one day they say, Oh, by the way, we have a new offensive coordinator. We have a new, you know, secondary coach or whatever. Uh, so this is kind of an unusual way for the, for this to happen. And, and I agree it's, it's smoke, whether or not it's fire, who can tell at this point, but it's definitely smoke. 
it's one of these things where we're putting all the signs together. We know that Bienemy interviewed with the Broncos and the Saints. We know that the Chiefs have somewhat some ties to the Saints within the, the front office. So you wonder if Bienemy would be considered for that offensive coordinator position because they now have the defensive head mm-hmm. coach in, in yeah. Dennis Allen. Aaron Wilson has connected the Saints to that with Bienemy. I've said it in, on the last editor show. Could it be a situation where Bienemy might be better off? becoming in a sense this offensive head coach where you know you break away from Reed and you could finally make a case if the offense is good especially without Patrick Mahomes with another team uh, where you really truly deserve uh, a a a head coaching position and there's no question about it and then you know you have the Chiefs that are, are being connected to Matt Nagy and then Kentucky offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Liam Cohen and so I don't know. There's just a lot of random-ish signs out there that maybe this is a, a real true consideration of the enemy just walking away from Kansas City, kind of going on his own path and having really more control because, you know, you're finally out of the shadow of, of Reed. And we don't need to go deep into this because we talked about this in the last show. Mm-hmm. But I just think I just think the momentum for this, it just seems to be be building in a way and I'm, I'm curious as to where it goes from here yeah i think that's fair and i think you're making a good point uh vahe gregorian made the same point last week that this might be the best thing for for both the enemy and the chiefs uh for him to get out from behind andy Reid's shadow i think i think those are an ex that's an, a good idea for him um it's you know he's clearly not able to make the jump from where he is to a, where he apparently wants to go uh, as things now stand. And you called it the Andy Reed coaching train and it's definitely stalled right yeah, now. It's halted. It's yeah. Halted. So because Kafka never became an O coordinator, obviously with the chiefs now uh, doing that with the giants where he supposedly will be calling play. So interesting. And you know what, what's interesting about the Kafka thing is he wouldn't have really had that opportunity for the most part in Kansas city. I mean, these are, offensive coordinators that call plays it does seem to be few and far between if it even does happen i still have my doubts about that that's a whole nother conversation for another day what's interesting about this story and i'm I'm now i'm just connecting all kinds of dots here but (laughs) there's supposedly this meeting that's happening between the enemy and reed that's what Schefter alluded to but andy reed was in oakland on sunday so we're recording Mm -hmm. this at about 10 45 on wednesday really do the timetable so Andy Reid is doing the John Madden public memorial and we'll talk about that in a second uh, on Monday evening so he was in Oakland Monday evening you got to think he stays in Oakland that that night mm-hmm. probably flies back to Kansas City on this day I know these guys they like to meet in person especially when it's this serious so I I just wonder if this Schefter meeting thing is happening today and and maybe there there will be some kind of resolution either you know Wednesday afternoon or Thursday. Again, that's just pure speculation. I'm just trying to connect the schedules right. where we know these guys are uh, at certain points. Right. Here. Well, I'll just say this, that unless they're going to change, I don't think the Chiefs are going to say anything about it. I right. mean, this could I be mean, one of those things where yeah. we, we just never hear anything about it. And and every day that goes by, then it's a stronger possibility that the enemy will remain, is the way you have right. to read that. That's and right. So, yeah. Um, you know, they're not going to have a, they're not going to make an announcement that, that Reed and Biennemi had a meeting and he's staying. That's well, the only happen. thing that, the only thing that's interesting, and, and this is where it's, it differs this year is, and it, it appears to be true that Biennemi's contract is expired. So who knows mm-hmm. if they would maybe do an announcement that they renewed his contract, considering that's out there. I don't yeah, know maybe, where this goes. Yeah. I don't know where this goes. So we'll see. I typically, mean, they didn't they, do that a year ago, you know, yeah, but typically they, they would this time. Yeah, yeah. Typically, they wouldn't announce it. I don't know. I also wonder. Okay, so they added a a pass game coordinator thing to Kafka's title. If the enemy stays in Kansas City, would he be a co assistant head coach with Dave Tobe all of a sudden, right? And have I mean, I don't know. You know, so there's all all kinds of ways this can go. All right. Anyway, so Andy Reid was in Oakland at the John Madden Public Memorial. John Madden passed away at the age of 85. In late December, we at the time went into the the Reed and and Madden relationship. What I thought was was interesting about this, and you could go, we have a link to the full speech 
on our website, Arrowhead Pride, at, at the bottom, but you can watch clips. What I thought was most interesting was this bit about Andy Reid and being introduced into what was an influence position. And Madden really opened the door for that for him, where uh, if you really listen to Andy Reid, and, and I think it's especially in the offseason, this is the point I made in the article, I mean, he really leans into league-wide stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, the thing that comes to mind that that is most interesting is the wanting to change the coin toss after the 19 thing happened, and then he discussed it a little bit. And even if you remember, even after the Chiefs took advantage of that in the divisional round, he said it's probably still fair for both teams to get the football i mean he he said that i mean it was kind of mm-hmm. in a laughing matter it worked out for us but <laughs> i think and and i i i respect that about andy reed and and it's probably more maybe a media take than a fan take that i like that he understands you got to be league first for this even to matter about the team level it's a it's a very lamar huntian Mm-hmm. way yeah. about him mm-hmm. and i you know i didn't know necessarily where that came from and i feel like i learned it as he was talking about john madden where madden early 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 when he was still an old line coach told him like when you're a coach in this league you have a lot of influence and i think as he goes through the years now as a 20 plus years as a head coach you can see over the years how much he he really leans into that and i just thought that was a cool moment uh, as part of uh reed at talking at the Bad Memorial, these two guys obviously were, were very close friends and talked all the time, apparently, right. uh, which is something we didn't know uh, while Madden was alive, but something that Reed talked about after his death that they they talked on a regular basis. And, you know, I think that's uh, I think that's one of the things that's revealed by uh, Bill Belichick's text in the Brian Flores case is how yeah. much these coaches communicate with each other. Right. Uh, and how much they know about what's going on inside other in, inside other franchises. You know, I mean, Belichick doesn't look good in this text, but, but it you know shows what? Like, that they're talking to each other. This is a whole nother point, and I don't, you know, I don't want to ruin the John Madden story and how nice it was sure. because of yeah. it. But like that, that to me is and the Bill Belichick text, and by extension, Andy Reid and and how he says he talks to all of his ex head coaches mm-hmm. pretty yeah. consistently when they're not going to play the next week yeah mm-hmm. this whole idea that teams and, and the chiefs are included in this get punished for tampering is insane it is yeah. insane because all these guys are always talking all the time about everything and well and the, I, the players too right the players exactly. are talking all the time too there was rumors and odell beckham jr now a super bowl champion there was rumors that you know, he would say to teams while he was in Cleveland, come get me <laughs> for the game to players. And you think the players are not telling the GM that? Like, please. I, I don't know. Not never, never been a fan of, of tampering. I, I don't I don't think it's wise to just pretend that that these guys aren't talking on a regular basis. But, yeah, you're right. Andy, Andy Reid and John Madden talked quite a bit. And John Madden really enjoyed the conversations with Reid. And it was recipro- reciprocated by Reid. And so nice touching moment. And, and you could tell that that. Reed is going to miss his friend. I mean, we look at John Madden as sure. the coach and, and, you know, the Super Bowl winner and the, the video game man and the broadcaster. But uh, Reed, Reed just talking about his friend. It's cool. It's a cool speech. If you want to go look at it, I, I think really rare is. again, we, rare we we get to see a little bit more of the human side of Andy Reed because I think he does always have that wall up as he's trying to, to get the Chiefs back to his Super Bowl. But I thought this was, um, you know, a nice, nice human moment. You know, you mentioned the his efforts on uh, about the the uh, coin toss thing, yeah, mm-hmm. which is significant. But uh, you know, he was also right in the middle of that move to uh, make pass interference reviewable several years ago, which they did for what one season, and then the referees didn't really do anything with it. But he was, was right in the ref- middle of that. That he, was a yeah. referee uh strike essentially that yeah. was such a joke i mean they didn't yeah. regulate well regulate it well enough yeah uh, the referees mm-hmm. just wouldn't reverse it i i think there were two or three i mean it was a ridiculous number of calls that yeah. were overturned and they just said well, this was a waste of time the referees obviously don't want to do this I, I thought it was a watershed moment when when they came down uh, at the league level with this rule it's like okay Finally, right. they're doing the right thing here and taking a step towards, you know, making it all reviewable, 
making it so that the the guys up at top can get the referees have the benefit of what the fans at home see and what the broadcasters see, you know, what the, what the analysts are talking about in the booth. I thought it was a step in the right direction. I thought it was a watershed moment. I said so. And then the referees did nothing, but Reed was right in the middle of that. There was a right. lot of conversation going this on where back and yeah, he, and, he, he and Peyton stood up in the coaches mm-hmm. meeting and said, we got to yep. get this right. And yep. I don't know. That was ridiculous. The referees didn't even use it. And it was even to the extent on on egregious P.I. calls like pick place. Like those are the mm-hmm. easiest P.I. calls to make. And they were still not doing it. So dumb, dumb. And uh, and not on Reed and Peyton. But I, I just think if right, you're going to put a rule right. in and it's going to be accepted, the, the referee should be leaning into that. But how did we get to this point? What it is the offseason, isn't it? Shoot. Right, okay. Right. Um, I'm I'm catching up here again. We're only doing one show a week now to catch up with all the news, so we're catching up on on Chiefs and Super Bowl media week. We'll start with McCole Hardman, who was on first take. Steve, let's go to McCole on uh, with Stephen A. Smith. What the hell happened in the AFC Championship game? How y'all lose to the Cincinnati Bengals? Break down what the hell happened. <laughs> what transpired? Uh, I mean, listen. Started off great. First half was cool. And the second half, we just didn't score. You know, uh, we're putting our defense in bad situations. Um, and, you know, that high-power offense in Cincinnati, you can't stop them forever. So um, I think it was just on us. We had, to, we had to score in the second half, and we didn't. McCole Hardman, again, joining ESPN's first take, trying to explain what happened in the AFC title game. And I, I thought this was fairly interesting, saying the right things quite a bit. But if you mm-hmm. really go to a lot of these interviews across the board from these offensive players, I think internally, and rightly so to me, no one is blaming the defense for giving up what was a lead. And I mean, they gave up quite a few points, but you you can tell that the offense realized like at some point Joe Burrow and this Bengals offense was was going to score and right. to be blanked pretty much was unacceptable. And they've really, I think, taken ownership there, John. I agree. And uh, it, it, it takes a comeback. This is an underappreciated part of the whole comeback narrative. Everybody wants to blame the quarterback. It goes on their stats, you know, fourth quarter comebacks and all that, but you can't have a fourth quarter comeback on offense unless the defense is doing its job. So it just is a reminder that this is a complimentary game. You know, it's not all about one side or the other. And I think it's fair in this particular game to put quite a bit of blame on the, on the offense Um, because they just didn't, they did, they had the opportunities and didn't step up. And uh, I, th- I think that's where where McColl's opinion is coming from, is that they blew and, the chances they had. And I, I don't know. I, I, I go back to it, too. Remember, this was an overtime game. If you could, so it's not 27, it's 24. If you could guarantee the defense is going to allow 24 points, I think you've taken that against the Bengals. I, oh, I yeah. Think you know, yeah. going into it and not really knowing what the offense is going to do. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. And and uh, by extension, too, I want to I want to use this as an an opportunity to teach something on the Airhead Pride Podcast Network. If you haven't listened to my conversation with Travis Kelsey, rare we get these players one on one, but we talked for ten minutes and it was great. And he he had similar uh, com- conversation about again taking a, a, the blame offensively for what happened in the AFC title game. Well, we talk about a few things um, next year, how long he wants to play. So check that out. It's the AP interview series. If you dig back right on this channel here. All right, we have another quote I want to get to from Super Bowl week. This was at NFL Honors on the red carpet. Here's Tyron Matthew. One of the highest honors, you know, in this league. Yeah. Obviously, to represent the Peyton family uh, will mean a lot. Um, but mostly just trying to represent my teammates, uh, represent the Kansas City community, you know, the right way. You're a free agent. What's the hope and the dream? And how are you feeling right now? Are you okay? Yeah, I, I, I'm blessed, man. I, I feel great. Uh, obviously, the, the, the hope and the dream is to continue to be a Kansas City Chief. Um, you know, we've we created so much history, you know, the last couple of years. Huh. Look and, in that corner and tell them. Yeah, tell, look yeah. into that camera and yeah, tell them where yeah. you want to be. Yeah, I, I want to be in Kansas City. So, and I think, I think everybody knows that. Okay. I don't know if you've noticed this, John, but I would say in the last week or so, mm-hmm. Tyron's kind of quieted down a little bit. I wonder if the agents and his representation has said to him, okay, man, it's time to chill. Let's figure this out because whether it's with the Chiefs or somebody else, we got to get someone to agree to sign your ass to a three or four year deal. And I think this was a little bit of a look into how he's 
still feeling, but but mm-hmm. again, I, I think he's been a little bit less public with, you know, yelling at fans about his time. And we're going to get to more of this in the next segment. But I, I, I liked this video. I do really feel, and I understand that there's always a game to this, but I do really feel that he wants to be here. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm buying yeah. into it. Maybe I'm dumb for that, or maybe it's like a money thing, but I, I don't know. I, you know I, I asked him right after the AFC title game, and he almost cried, I mean, to be quite honest. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I just don't buy that that's – I just don't buy that it's fake. If it is, congratulations, Taryn. Like, you got me. You deserve an Oscar. Forget about the NFL honors. <laughs> you should be – <laughs> working at the academy like that that's impressive but i'm buying it and i i just wonder if there's a, a a way that he he'll bend to just to get this done in kansas city you know well it's always a mistake to assume that that's the only thing that drives these things the money's got to work you know as much as the and the chiefs have said the same thing they like him they want him to stay uh, so but the money has to be right for both parties for this deal to work and that's the bottom line now, whether or not they can come to that agreement, I don't know. We'll just have to see. But yeah. I agree. I think it's I think it's genuine. Yeah. Tyron Matthew was up for Walter Payton Man of the Year, as was Jason Kelsey. So Travis Kelsey was at the event. Uh, he he took a bad dig from uh, Keegan-Michael Key, which we oh, talked man. about on, on our conversation as well. Speaking of digs, uh, going back to Hardman, I put this story up on Arrowhead Pride because I thought it was hilarious. Eli Apple, for some reason... He's been a mediocre player his entire career, if not below average, but he's having a good playoffs. You got to admit that he made that play on Tyree kill at the end of the half and then went right on the Twitter and said that Tyree kill was a baby and Tyree kill to his credit was like, dude, just hit my phone up in, you know, that I'm paraphrasing whatever he said. And, and McCole Hardman certainly noticed (laughs) because Eli Apple got abused by Cooper cup for two touchdowns, including the game winner Mm -hmm. in the Super Bowl. And then Hardman gets on to Twitter. And I, I mean, it was this is so 2022 with this trash talk. And I like <laughs> I love that this is sometimes I, I, I've said it before on the national show we do here. I have said it, I think, on this show. Sports are more interesting when it gets a little WWE. And this was so WWE where he gets on on Twitter and he goes at Eli Apple as he's taking a video of the Chiefs Super Bowl ring. It's cool, big bro. You might get one of these one day, but in the meantime, just go get better at your craft. My God. And there's nothing Eli Apple can say because, yeah, they beat the Chiefs in the AFC title game. But we know this sport is all about Super Bowl rings. I loved it. I, I want more of this type of stuff. I think it makes more makes it more interesting. Like you talk about the Jags and the Chiefs from a few years ago where Tyree Kill and Jalen Ramsey are jarring back and forth. It becomes something to watch and becomes, I don't know, more interesting. So the interesting wrinkle about this particular thing, John, is Eli Apple's going to be a free agent. So you wish that he's with the Bengals next year because the Chiefs play the Bengals in the regular season. They visit Cincinnati, and this would certainly be a thing for sure. I mean, we would get to the week, and Andy Reid would tell all these guys, hey, shut up, and they wouldn't say anything. <laughs> but I would remind everyone of this. So I, I, I don't know. I loved it. What did you think about this? Uh, well, I, you know, this, this kind of thing is going to happen, and it's always fun to see what they say to each other. I'm, I'm a little concerned about pushing towards the WWE, though. Are we going to get to the point that, no. you know, Brett Veach and Chris Ballard are swinging chairs at each other Chair outside shot. of the stadium. Why not? <laughs> Why not? That Ballard's like, that should have been my job. And then hits Veach <laughs> right in the back with the chair. Yes. I think the more oh, of that, man. the better. Um, uh, so, yeah, this is something to watch. And now, you know what? And, and, and again, I should not give a damn where Eli Apple goes in free agency. But this is certainly mm-hmm. something I'm monitoring now because if they play the Chiefs, this is going to be a thing. And you you have um, the 17 games now. So even if he left the Bengals, you would think that there's a, a good possibility the Chiefs may see them because they're going to be playing. You know, they play more teams now. I, it, I don't know. Yeah. I'm interested in it. I loved it. Um, it I know that it would be better off, and I'll speak for all Chiefs fans here, right? Like if the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl, like that'd be better trash talk. I saw some people with that take. Fine. If you want to feel it, you can feel that way. I, I, I don't blame you for that either. All right. Uh, speaking of the 17-game schedule, I am a sleuth, and I saw the announcement that there will be an NFL game in Germany in 2022, one game as part of like five over the next, I believe it was five years, right? And maybe maybe less than that. I don't know. I know there's one next year. So 
the Chiefs are one of four teams that have the rights to build a fan base in Germany. It's the Chiefs, it is the Bucks, it's the New England Patriots, and it's the Carolina Panthers. So here's my reasoning on why I think Chiefs and Bucks are headed to, to Germany. That the only other possibilities to include two of the four teams would be division games between the Bucks and the Panthers. And you know that these NFL owners want to have those division games on their soil. They'd rather sure, yeah. it, it be. And so the only other possibility is the Chiefs and Bucks. And we know from talking to Mark Donovan in L.A. back when the Chiefs played the Chargers in December, when this rights agreement was announced, he doesn't think the Chiefs are going to have to give up a home game because they recently did that. And recently, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm using a little liberally here because right, it was right. 2015. But there's been more teams that haven't given up a home game in between now and then. And so, I don't know, it just makes perfect sense. And uh, our, our across-the-pond sources at Arrowhead Pride, wink, wink, have kind of said that they think this game is happening and will be in uh, November. I don't know if, you know, if, if we do have a podcast that show that's about, you know, it features another country you may know where maybe this, some of the sourcing came yeah. from. But mm-hmm. we think it's going to be in <laughs> November in Germany, Chiefs and Bucks. That's what we think. Our sources are telling us at AP. John, are you going to Germany? No. Okay. No. No. I'm uh, not. I'm know. not going to. I'm not going to Germany for that game. I mean, I it would think... be fun. It, it would be totally fun. A friend of ours went to the game in England, and she had a ball uh, watching the Chiefs play in London. And uh, but I, I just don't. You know, we can't go there in the trailer. You know, so yeah. That's a problem. So, well, I mean, I've been impressed with some of the things you've installed on that thing. I'm not going to rule out that you won't make that into a boat car uh, by the time (laughs) Chiefs and and Bucks roll roll out in in Germany. Um, (laughs) I wonder if Tom's going to go to this game, Tom and Brad. I wonder if they will. We'll have to we'll have to find out and they could they could be on the beat for us. Maybe we can get them a credential or something like well, that. I, I was surprised when this story came out how many people among our readers were talking about, oh, well, I'm going, you know. But it, it again it underlines I how many of our the, readers are outside the United States. Yeah. We said that we think it's it's in November, and I, I saw this take and I like this. A lot of Chiefs fans are wishing it's in October because mm-hmm. then you know you could go yeah. for Oktoberfest and everything. Right. I, I I agree. I think that'd be fantastic. If there's going to be one game, maybe it should be in October. Maybe the NFL can rethink that. I know they haven't made the schedule yet. We haven't had uh, Peter King's famous article about this year's upcoming schedule. When do we get the schedule? I forget. May? May, right? I think that's right. Yeah. Under the, under the new reality, I think May is when we should expect it. It used to be earlier. but The NFL has changed it year by year, though. So we think May, but yeah. we don't know for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's the Chiefs news. Not a ton of news, but uh, news nonetheless. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into the announcement for the Chiefs MVP and the Rookie of the Year. You're listening to the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, Pete Sweeney, John Dixon. We are starting to get in the thick of the offseason. Want to tell you that on Monday and Friday on these podcast waves, we have some draft talk uh, coming your way. We're excited about that. Ron Kopp is, is spearheading that. Uh, right now, I want to talk about the Chiefs naming their MVP, which is the Derek Thomas Award, and their Rookie of the Year, which is the Mackley Hill Award. That was announced on Tuesday and the rookie of the year. Let's start with that was Nick Bolton. And I, I, for, I for sure was surprised about this. There was a lot of fan pushback that, that really Mm -hmm. wanted to see um, Creed Humphrey get it or uh, Trey Smith. And I don't know. I'm of the idea that if you lead the team by 32 tackles as a rotational rookie, as Mm -hmm. good as the center and right guard, where I, I think you, I think you won. I think you win a rookie of the year. Again, this is voted on by the team and the, and the, right. the coaches. So I, I I liked the pick. Did you like Bolton, John? I did. And I understand why people are unhappy about it. But this is, and we're going to talk about the same subject here in a minute when we get to the other uh, team vote. Um, the team's perspective on it is different than ours. You know, we look at it strictly on what happens on the field. And these players are looking at it from an entirely different spec- perspective that we can't really appreciate. Right. And I think it's I think it's a justifiable pick. I understand why people, you know, look at it and say well, that doesn't make any sense. 
But um, but even with if, even if you're just looking at the on-field production, as you noted, for a guy who was basically a rotational player to lead the tackle, lead the team in tackles by such a substantial number, that's really quite an achievement, and I think speaks speaks very highly of uh, of this pick by the team. And I I gotta I gotta say this too, and kudos to Cody, who's a friend of Arrowhead Pride, and and I you know I go on a show every Friday during the season, Cody and and Gold on on Six Cent Sports Radio. I don't know if this meant many fans even care about Creed Humphrey if it wasn't for this insane movement that he decided to do. Uh, and again, credit to him <laughs> for the idea with Creed is good and making the song. And I, I actually think it led to two offensive rookie of the year votes. I, I told Cody that the other day. And like, I don't I don't know if this thing is c- catching wildfire as much as it is with a a, a team leading tackler. I, I just I don't know. I, I'm And I told Cody, I'm like. Dude, I think you somehow changed how people view offensive linemen and like definitely in Kansas City. But when you see Creed Humphrey get two rookie of the year votes, I don't know if that happens if he doesn't dress up and do this dumb video that he did. And I, I think it's I think it's hilarious. So uh, I just wanted to mention that I figured I, I should more um, WWE stuff here from Pete. Kind of. Yeah. yeah maybe that yeah. there's a theme here. What I like. Yeah. And anyway, <laughs> uh, so Bolton gets the. Mac Lee Hill again it's voted by the team and the coaches and and that's where I get into this point about Tyron Matthew because I think we did question a little bit like I know that he went back and forth with the fans and there are some commenters as you know John that like really remind us of the toxic sure. fan base mm-hmm. story right. and you know there was a lot of frustration when the Chiefs were three and four the social media mistake for what it's worth Tyron Matthew owned it we we, we did have some wonder of okay is the locker room maybe getting a little bit cold on, on Matthew? Is he really as important as we think? You always have that question. Sure. And to me, them voting him MVP, especially when you had a lack of like the box score stats this year, um, to an extent, I just think shows just how important he is in the locker room and just reaffirms that point. Like to me, I almost think, and kudos to the Chiefs for still going that way. And, and I think we can throw out the idea of them like fub, you know, flubbing the vote or whatever like that in yeah. the future. For, yeah. Because for them to come out and, and announce Tyron Matthew as the MVP, like that hurts Brett Veach in negotiations a little bit because right. the agent can right. say, look, look at how much he means to the team. Mm-hmm. You got to have this guy right. on your team. What are you guys doing? And that's a good point. I, th- I mean, it, it's a small little wrinkle here. And I don't know if I feel the same way MV- team MVP wise uh that i feel about the rookie of the year like i think bolton deserved it outside looking in i don't know if matthew was the mvp of this team i think you can make a case for travis kelsey or tyree kill or to an extent mahomes i I mean mahomes still put up great numbers it just wasn't what we were used to uh and so i i don't know i i i think i think this really proved how how important again or maybe again I, i i should say reaffirmed or confirmed how important tyron matthew is to this locker room well, I think that's the bottom line to it. I, I'm really disturbed by the reaction of a lot of fans who think that the Chiefs, you know, made this up. You know, like they just decided they're going to make him the most valuable player. There have been to, some weird takes on or Yeah, I've I, seen I, them. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just don't buy that. I don't think that's the way they operate. And I don't think they could get away with it. I honestly don't think that you could say to the team, oh, well, this is the guy that you voted for as MVP. The team would figure that out. It's not like, you know, it's not like they wouldn't be talking to each other about the players they voted for. You would not under any circumstances want to risk the team discovering that you, that you messed with the voting for MVP. Talk about losing the locker room. That's a way to do it. And look, the players don't control the Twitter. The team does. If you're going to mess right. with the voting, you'd go in the other way. Right. You'd go in the other way. Right. Because right. you, yeah, you wouldn't want a pending free agent to be named your MVP. What are you crazy? Exactly. I mean, I don't yeah. know. I, I also, you know, and I don't blame fans for this. And, and, you know, I, I said it uh, before with the toxic thing. That was a really bad thing to say about your sure own fan base. Mm-hmm. He, I, I, I'm over it. He apologized. He's an emotional dude. I think that's part of the reason he's so good. I think he was upset with like, and, and I think to an extent he had a point, like with the fans kind of forgetting that they went to a Super Bowl and won it I, and mm-hmm. they went to back to back Super Bowls and 
that was a frustrating time. It was a frustrating time for the team. It was it was it felt toxic a little bit in the building. You could tell that the the players were getting really frustrated with the fans. Now, to be fair to the fans point, this was an historically bad defense at the beginning of the year. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just see both sides of this thing. I I think this is a fascinating situation. I mean, it it, it really can go in a lot of different ways. You know, on the grander stage, you have a back-to-back MVP and Aaron Rodgers saying, I don't even know if I'm going to return to football. Mm-hmm. And now you have Tyron Matthew, who, again, at a local level, is the Chiefs MVP. And you're 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 in a situation where the MVP may be playing for another team next year. And who knows if it's at, in the AFC or the AFC West. I, I, I don't know. And, and again, it's got to be the right it's got to be for the right price, and I think you got to come to an agreement. I think both sides needs to need to bend a little bit, but I'm under the belief that so long it is it is the right deal. I think the Chiefs got to find a way to keep Matthew in 2022 and, and maybe beyond that. Um, and I'll also go back to this, and I don't think it's just player speak. I, he really has leaned into the Charles Woodson career arc, mm-hmm, and know. this dude wants to stay great for another seven to eight years, and. Again, a lot easier said than done. He's approaching the age of 30. I believe he's 29. Uh, but I, I, he has that motivation and he has that Hall of Fame motivation. And it's just so hard to find that, especially in an era where you have guys retiring early or doing other things and, and considering other opportunities outside of football where all he wants to be is a pro football Hall of Fame player. And he's building that. I don't think he's there yet. But for him to have that motivation and want to stay in Kansas City, again, so long as they can come to some kind of agreement, I, I think they're just a better team to keep him in, in KC. I really do. Well, well, I think what this shows us is how important that leadership thing really is. I mean, we we look at this and we say Matthew's an important leader because we hear players talk about him when we interview them. And we get that message from them pretty consistently, actually, that Matthew is one of the leaders in the locker room, particularly in the secondary, which makes perfect sense. And this underscores that. This is a guy, let's face it, his production is middling. You know, it's not great. It's not bad. It's just middling. But his his on-field production is middling. Yet his teammates vote him as most valuable player on a team where Patrick Mahomes plays, on a right. team where Travis Kelsey plays, on a team where Tyreek Hill plays, they vote this guy with Midland defensive production as most valuable player. I think that speaks volumes about the kind of le- leadership he exhibits to this team. I know people don't want to, you know, people want to move on from Tyron. They want to save the money. Okay, I get that. Right. I get that he's not he's not a a, a physical player that is going to go out there and 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 take people down like you probably want him to. And they and I and I get why people don't want to understand the leadership aspect. But it matters to these players. And so yes, it's something that is worth x value. I don't know what the value of x is here. Yes, the Chiefs are going to have to make a decision about what they can afford to pay for his production and his leadership together. But I think it's it's a bad mistake to act like the leadership doesn't matter. I think that's what this MVP vote t- tells us, is that the leadership does matter. The question is, how much do you pay for that? And, and they're going to have to figure that out, whether they yeah, can afford it- to do it or not you're having to put a tangible value on intangibles. And that's what's yeah. really hard about the Matthew situation. Right. Absolutely. Um, I do want to commend you, John, you backed your way into something the kids are saying now, and you didn't really say it, but I'm going to give you credit for it. Mid is, is taken over. I mean, you just don't want to be mid nowadays, which is kind of short <laughs> for middling. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can make a case to Tyree Matthews, been a little mid, but okay, let's see if the chiefs lean into that leadership factor. All right, let's make our way too early prediction for 2022 chiefs MVP. What do oh, you think? Wow. John? Um, Bolton MVP. Yeah. Wow. Okay. We yeah. can't predict rookie of the year. I actually almost wrote on our outline predicting the rookie of the year, which would have been really dumb. And I'm like so happy that I caught it because we don't, you know, we don't know any rookies. Um, I'm going that's, to say that's totally a top level take. I mean, I literally you. spent three seconds thinking about that. Nice. Okay. From mind. from started from Mackley Hill. Now we hear at the Derek Thomas Award. I think that I'm going to go with Mahomes. 
I it's just too it, I think I think we are seeing the start. I saw our boy, or I should say our former boy, a former Arrowhead Pride advocate on Good Morning Football. Peter Schrager already leaning into now. This is Joe Burrow's conference. I mean, come on. I, I look at, yeah. at I used to like him. <laughs> Joe Burrow, granted, he outplayed Mahomes. I, I can't yeah. say that. And he did it twice. Yeah. Fair, right? Yeah. But he doesn't have an MVP. He he didn't win the Super Bowl. He didn't begin yeah. the Super Bowl MVP. Uh, he hasn't done it for enough years. He's done it for like a year and a half. And and the Bengals were not necessarily on their way to even making the playoffs in the first year. Now, I think he's going to be even better as they continue to build this team and, and bolster that offensive line. But I, I don't know. I just think it's too early to be handing over the conference. And I've just seen Mahomes over the years and watching him see these takes. And dude, the dude is a he's a junkie. For sports i mean he you see it on the stories and he goes home and he not only watches live sports or you know other games he'll watch basketball and he'll watch these talking head shows and i you know say what you want i think he does need to have some fundamental work I, i've said that before on this show he's going to come back next year on a mission and like i yeah. just don't i'm not going to bet against Mahomes. i i mean i I think this coming year, more than other years, I felt like since the MVP season, I mean, this feels like a 40 to 50 touchdown year where he kind of says, you guys truly forgot about how good I can be. And it's especially entering an offseason where he has a lot of tape of things to work on. I don't, you know, of the of the seasons he's been a starter, I don't know if he's ever had this much bad tape. And I think to an extent that could be a, a good thing entering a year yeah um so yeah i mean i i know that it's it's as they would say chalk but i'm gonna take patrick mahomes for mvp i i think you really see a a a vengeance style of pat uh in 2022 yeah okay and and that's a very compelling argument i buy that but i'm gonna i'm gonna double down because i think that bolton is the kind of player who could make a huge impact on this defense under Steve Spagnolo, and and that's why I um, that's where I'm starting here with Bolton as the most well, valuable player. I mean, you know, yes, Mahomes on offense is clearly going to be the most valuable player in almost any season that the Chiefs play while he's still on I'll, the team. I'll uh, say this that, about Bolton: I mean, it's a credit to him for how fast he was able to make an impact. I mean, you yes. didn't have an off season mm-hmm. for Willie Gay or, or Clyde, which you know they mentioned right. was was tough because of the, mm-hmm. the pandemic and everything, but. uh but a Bolton did, and he really stepped in. And you know, you you you're in an, a period in the offseason where you're, you know you play these games, cut, resign, blah blah blah. What do you want to mm-hmm. do? I mean, it, it's to me, it's almost obvious that, that the Chiefs could just save money by moving on from Hitch, and they can mm-hmm. because of the way Bolton looked. Now, you know, I think he has some some growth. I think it's going to be a tough call. I don't think it's necessarily going to be easy. We forget sometimes these guys are people and we know Spags has such a great relationship with Hitchens, but right. just the, the savings that go into it mm-hmm. and the business of the NFL, uh, to me, it, it seems like one of the more obvious moves Yeah, moving, moving on from Hitch and Clark just seem obvious to me for, our, for different reasons. And, right. and Bolton's a huge part of the, the Hitchens thing. I think they really needed to see the year they did from Bolton to feel comfortable mm-hmm. to say we can, right. move on. we'll see. We'll see what happens yeah, here. Yeah, if they, if Bolton hadn't played the way he did this year, I think this would be a really tough call on Hitchens. But he did play extremely well, and he did, you know, learn how to use the green dot, and I think he's in a position that they can feel comfortable with him as the guy, which makes it easier to let Hitchens go. But I agree. Without without the season Bolton had, this would be a very tough decision with Hitchens. I, I, I'm totally buying into that. Off-season feature of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. Uh, we put up a poll this morning, and I came up with this. Which position do you want to see the Chiefs upgrade the most this offseason? I put the listings at defensive back, John, defensive line, wide receiver, and other. Of those mm-hmm. positions, what do you think is leading right now? Edge rusher, yeah. That's what seem, people seem to want. Yeah, yep, that's correct. Line. And I yeah. was curious how many fans were out there that that prioritize those other two positions. I feel like if I do commend myself, I feel like I nailed the options because other only got 2%, which means, okay, I picked the right <laughs> other position. For some reason, Twitter only allows you four options, yeah. which mm-hmm. is hard. Anyway, so 
let's fix that Twitter. There's a lot of Twitter needs to fix. But well, now wait a minute. You're always telling me if I put more than four choices on a poll, that's too many. And now you're saying Twitter needs to have more. Yes. Okay. I'm going back on. I'm going. I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Let's put as many (laughs) options as you can. Um, (laughs) So defensive back got twenty percent. Wide receiver got nineteen point four. I mean, which we yeah about the same. Yeah, about the Mm -hmm. same. Uh, so one in five Chiefs fans want defensive back. One in five Chiefs fans want wide receiver the most. Sixty percent of fans are ready to see the defensive line improved, and 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 that's uh, a kudos to uh, Brett Veach, and and I think he identified that as well. Yeah. And you know if, if we're writing Clark off in that sense, I mean you're really looking at like Chris Jones and some guys that you would kind of consider Jags, which are like just a guys. Um, I I think. It's a little unfair to say that because I think they have a lot of upside, but we haven't really seen like a Turk Wharton, for example. He's had moments, Mike mm-hmm. Dana, moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are they starters? I don't know. You know, yeah. but for what it's worth, like a college basketball team in March Madness, Steve Spagnola likes to run like a six or seven, eight man lineup and, you know, rotates them in and out so they have fresh legs. So you really need the depth. And that group is going to look so different next year. I mean, you talk about the change that needs to take place along the line. Yeah. And, I like that part of Brett Veach because he he kind of realized, okay, if we our line was a little bit better, I mean, if there's one thing you learn from the divisional round and the Super Bowl with all these sacks on Joe Burrow, and then you, you get that AFC outlier of one sack, I know that Chris Jones almost had him in, in grasp a few times. Shoot, if the defensive line was a little bit better, you're probably in the Super Bowl. I mean, I know we yeah. made the, mm-hmm. the case about OBJ, so... It really fascinated to see how you know they approach this. And we've got a, a great series right now. Our, our film guys are working hard to work through each position. And we've got articles up about you know improving the defensive line on Arrowhead Pride right now uh, through free agency and the draft. I, I'm, I think where I'm at is I want to see how much money they can kind of carve out or what they do to do that first. And then I think you could start to make decisions of like, all right, well, how much can they improve each thing? Because I do think, now you talk about the line, which is number one here, but I do think they do want to address defensive backs, like maybe with a, a top pick for a change on day one or day two. And I know for a fact, I mean, I don't know who it is yet, but they will get a wide receiver in, I believe, in free agency. So I think all these positions will be addressed. Well, I think we have to bear in mind that Brett Veach will do what he always does and try and cover the holes, all the holes, in Just some former way. first round pick who stinks right now. And right. Well, he's going to find he's he's <laughs> going to have enough people to go out and play a game before the draft begins so that he's not backed into a corner about right. particular positions that he has to take. And I think that's I personally have always thought that's an ideal strategy. You don't want to be in a position where you've got to take a particular position and maybe take a player that that you don't want because, you know, he's the first guys available at this terrible position of need. So I expect we're going to see that in free agency. We may not get splashy guys, free agents at all these positions of need, but we're going to have some. You know, we didn't have Creed Humphrey. We had Austin Blythe, but we had Austin Blythe going into the draft. So Veach wasn't forced to take you a know, center. You know, it, is, it. they do do a really good job of that. I, it, yeah. it, if, it, it's incredible yeah. every year where we're entering the draft and you're like, man, they already kind of fixed all these position groups. And mm-hmm. that's why that's... they're able to really work in the value. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always excited for the combine and the pre-draft pressers and stuff like that because Veach leans in into, I mean, last year, it's crazy. I mean, if you really go back to the pre-draft pressers, he was saying that their the money spot was the late second round, and that's where they had two mm-hmm. picks, and that's where yeah. they took Bolton and Humphrey that fans are arguing about today for <laughs> kid a year. So uh, kudos to to like him, and, and he really says like where the hot zone they call it hot zones, I believe, yeah. uh, where the hot zones are, and you know, and and I I, lo- I love that the draft is getting more and more popular every year, but the reason it's so hard to predict is because. And, and the Chiefs feel this way, too, is that they want to take the guy where the value is in the draft. And I truly believe that. Like, I know Brad Beach gets a, a bad rap when it comes to defensive backs, but I, I really thought that that quote was telling. I think we've, we've talked about it on this before, so I don't have to go deep into it. But I really thought that quote was telling. It's like, look, they're expensive, A, so free agency is hard. Uh, remember, they were in on Jalen Ramsey that one year. Um, and then, and then mm-hmm. B, it's like, 
well, we're not necessarily going to, they don't want to reach for a guy. And like, I think that in a, in a sense is a, is a good thing. And it's not like he's been a GM for 10 years and, and never went into, I mean, it's not, it's only been a handful of years, you know, since mm-hmm. they, they even right. did this thing. So I, I believe he started with the 2018 draft. So it's only been four drafts. So I, I'd say, let's see if, if they either trade up for an edge or trade back and get an edge and a defensive back that they like in the right spots. And, and I don't know, I I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, really. Yeah. interesting. Well, he's, you know, I, I made this point. I think it was last week that this is the thing I really like about beach is that he's not just locked into a particular plan of action that he's got multiple scenarios going. Well, if this goes this way, then I have to go this way. And, you know, I, I like that about him is that he really sees this thing as, as something with a lot of moving parts. That's very hard to manage. Anybody who can manage it deserves our respect. And so, and I think Veach is a guy who knows how to manage all those moving parts. I can't imagine what having that job would be like. I just, I just can't even deal with the thought of For- that. So from a distance, Ryan Poles joins the Chicago Bears as a general manager. And I, I saw this floating and I can't remember where I saw it. So forgive me, whoever <laughs> made this. But it was somewhere out there on social media where there's a thought that Poles is going to do some beach like things in Chicago when it comes to mm-hmm. the draft. And that makes sense. And and also to now beach may and may have created some competition on those beach specials where it's it, you know, I made a joke about it before, but it's the former first rounder that maybe Poles mm-hmm. right. liked, and maybe they both liked together. And it's like, come to the Bears or the Chiefs. We'll see how Justin Fields improves. And and right now, I think you'd still pick the Chiefs if you had both teams, but who knows? Um, if I may, I'd like to make ahead. one more point before we get out of here on this, yeah. this show here. And, uh, and that is to uh, call out our Arrowhead Pride contributors at the conclusion of the season. You know, we put all of our picks for all of the NFL games and the Chiefs yeah. games on tallysite.com, where there are hundreds and hundreds of NFL experts who post their picks every week. And at least one of our contributors was in the top 10 for every category. Uh, Ron Kopp and Christian Gumminger were 8th and 10th in head-to-head picks. Uh, Mark Gunnels was 3rd against the spread among all these people. Uh, Jared Sapp and Christian were 2nd and 10th in overall and in, uh, in over-under. And uh, overall, uh, Christian was 1st among all those experts, the overall record. That's wow. amazing. Top of the yeah. Top of the heap. Some guy named Pete Sweeney was fifth, <laughs> oh, and uh, and Mark was tenth, and I think that's amazing that that our people uh, did such a fantastic job against all these experts from around the country this year. So applause to all of them. I just wanted to make sure we made that point uh, somewhere yeah. with with a lot of eyeballs. So no, I'm glad that you you mentioned something when it came to to me finishing fifth. Sometimes closing your eyes and just. well i didn't finish you missed i didn't mention who finished last in all the categories that was moi (laughs) (laughs) hey listen someone has to finish last that's okay yeah all right well it's Uh, never been you know that kind of thing has never been my strong suit and uh, and that's just been clearly demonstrated in this past season so hey uh uh, like the chiefs and and the Bengals and everybody else there's always next year john yeah that's all right. right Well, if you like the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show, as I mentioned at the top, please rate and review us. If you leave us a review, we will read it on the show. We have more draft talk coming at you on Friday, so stay tuned for that. Keep it locked in at arrowheadpride.com as some news and notes and and whatnot come out. out. Uh, For Steve Serta, for John Dixon, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show.